0: Okay, everybody, let's get out our Bibles and go to Psalm 37. Psalm 37. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time we have together now. We approach your word with humility and expectation of great things to come. Lord, give us eyes to see and ears to hear, hearts open and receptive to all that you would do and say in this place today. Thank you for using us mightily. Thank you for the great privilege of being a part of your kingdom and your plan for these last days. And we thank you for all the good things that will happen the rest of our service now in Jesus' name, amen. amen. Okay, everybody, let's get into some stuff today. I hope you come ready. Uh, I don't know if how many of you know about the, the farm animals, but uh, uh, there were some farm animals that were really appreciative of their farmer. Um, in fact, the cow and the chicken and the pig one day got together and and the the cow was, was really suggesting that they do something for the farmer, something really over the top, something really uh, nice to bless him. And the, the chicken spoke up and said, I think we ought to make him breakfast. Let's make the farmer breakfast today. And I suggest we make him bacon and eggs. <laughs> and, and the pig spoke up <laughs> and said, excuse me, <laughs> uh, Mr. Chicken, for you that's just a... Very small sacrifice. But for me, that's total commitment. And, <laughs> and likewise, I think there are people in life, there are, there, are, there are believers, there are people that serve God that have given a little bit of themselves. They, have, they will lay down some time. They'll come to a church service and dedicate an hour and a half to them. And they'll give them little parts of their lives while as there are others who will completely and fully commit all that they are, all that they have, all of their time, all their thoughts, all of their lives to the Lord. And uh, this is what I want to get into a little bit today. And so lock the back doors. (laughs) I don't want anybody to run out. This sounds heavy, man. This sounds like I'm going to have to commit to something. (laughs) Um, But one thing that we should understand is that every element of life really that we're going to be successful in requires a commitment to make it work. If you're talking about um, relationships, they don't work without commitment. If you're talking about uh, business, you're you're talking about being a business person and being successful, you've got to be committed to what you're going after. Otherwise, there'll be so many opportunities to back off, so many opportunities to quit in life. Um, Whether we're talking about marriage, uh, we're talking about achieving personal goals, or whether we're talking about the kingdom of God and, 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 and walking with the Lord and having a relationship with Him and doing something good for Him, you've got to be fully engaged. You've got to be committed. I call this all in. We've got to be all in concerning certain things in life. And, and there is a tendency, I think, today for people to avoid commitment. We want freedom. We want the ability to come and go as we choose. We want to be able to govern our own time with no obligations and uh, no, no, nothing, nothing tying us down. And uh, something very rare in our culture today is complete commitment. But I would ask you, what, what governs your life? Are you governed by convenience or by commitment? Do you give your word to something? And that word is your bond and you're in for the long haul. Have you given your, your word to the Lord? Have you given your life to Him and now He governs everything that you do? He governs every decision that you make, every venture that you put yourself into. Or is it just out of convenience that you serve Him? And if it's comfortable, if it's easy, if it works out for that day, if it works out in your schedule, if it doesn't disrupt your lifestyle, then you'll serve the Lord and give your life to Him. And uh, I'm not looking for any hands today, especially on the latter point, but uh, uh, I would encourage you that uh, there is a necessary element of being committed to, not to everything, but to certain things that becomes necessary and essential for us to ever experience the fullness of whatever that is, whatever the potential of that is, has to offer. And that's most certainly true. I'm not necessarily... Focusing in on you being committed to your business or c- committed to a good workout or, or, uh, or, to you know, buffing yourself up or anything like that. Primarily, I'm talking about spiritual things. I'm talking about your walk and relationship with the Lord. But also then secondly, um, the kingdom of God and the purpose He has for your life that you're committed to that, not just making a small sacrifice. Not just involved in it. Not just open to it. Don't just feel real good about it. But actually have given your heart and your life. Because then and only then does God have really full access to your life to make you what He wants. To do in you, to do for you what He desires to do. But a half-hearted approach just simply doesn't work. You know, Christianity was never designed. Our walk in relationship with God was never designed to work with a half-in approach. It was never designed to work with where we just kind of sticking our toe in the water, but there is something about giving it all to Him, laying it all down, and saying, "Lord, all of me." Because how many know He has given us all of Him, all of Himself? The Lord has committed. Well, He gave. I mean, He gave us His, the Father God gave us His only Son. I mean, that's pretty heavy duty. And He gave us His life. And He took care of our healing, our for- the forgiveness of our sins, our needs being met, a peace for our mind, spirit, soul, and body. He has covered everything. And He gave it to us with the risk that we might say, no, thank you. He gave us His all. And so I think what's, what, what would be appropriate is a reciprocal act on our part where we say, Lord, I'm all yours. Now, how many know we kind of already did that? At least those of us who are saved. And I know sometimes we don't want to be reminded of what we said, but if you're saved, if you're going to heaven, there was a point in your life where you said, I believe that God raised Jesus from the dead, and you said, I confess that Jesus is Lord. And in that very statement all by itself, what you committed to was Him having mastery over your life. You committed to Him being the boss, Him being the one that calls the shots from here on out. I don't know if we realized what we did. <laughs> but you know, the Lord took us at our word. We said it, and He said, that's good enough for me. I'm, I believe you. <laughs> but I think many times we have not, you know, fully walked in the fullness of what we said that we were giving Him. We said, we're taking all of you. The Lord, we're giving all, you all of us. Now, how many know we got the better end of that deal? Nevertheless, that is the relationship with God that works. The person who who approaches the Lord with just a convenience type of approach, that type of attitude, they don't really know what it means to be a Christian. They don't really know what it means to walk with God. They really don't. It's like... the. Well, this is, this is one of the common things in our culture. More and more people are not getting married percentage-wise. They just shack up, yeah. right? They just live together. Why? Well, it's easier. It's easier because there's not a real commitment, even though they would say, we're committed. We're committed in our hearts. We're in a committed relationship. But half of your assets are not on the line either. Yeah. <laughs> And, uh, and there's no legalities involved in this. And there's something about when you actually do it the right way, well, it opens up a new aspect of that relationship. Hmm. My wife and I knew each other before we were married. Hopefully that's true with you and if you're married. <laughs> we were friends and then we uh, we got engaged and and then the day came when we got married and we... Gave our commitments for life, and that was, that's kind of a heavy deal, right guys? <laughs> gave our commitment for life. It's you, baby, and it's only you. For the rest of my life, we're going to be only together. But how many know that commitment opened up that relationship to experience life in a whole new way? There were certain things that now were on the table, <laughs> certain things that were now available in certain parts of this relationship that could now exist that couldn't exist before. But when that commitment is made, that's the prerequisite to getting into the good stuff. It really is. I mean, I have friends and, and everything, but I only have one wife. And that relationship is different than everybody else's, uh, every, every other relationship. Okay, and uh, when it comes to the Lord, there is something about that commitment to say, you're my all in all, you're my everything, you're my one and only, because He holds that place, and no one else can hold that place. And when that commitment is made and meant and acted out on, it opens that thing up to something incredible. That's why I think some Christians don't really know what it's like to be a Christian. Not questioning their salvation, because God took them at their word, and they were born again. But there's something about jumping in with both feet. And everything is yours from this point on. Now God can show himself strong in that person's life. Now he can do amazing things that if we're just doing a little dab, a little toe in the water, we just don't know what it's really like. Let's look at our scripture here in Psalm 37. Psalm 37, verse 5 reads, commit your way to the Lord, trust also in Him, and He shall bring it to pass. Notice and. And connects the first part to the second part. It is when we commit our way to the Lord, when we trust in Him, then God is given access to bring things to pass in our lives. What if I don't commit my way and trust in Him? Well, apparently, God doesn't have the right, He doesn't have the inroad into my life to accomplish what He wants. There first must come a commitment of our way to the Lord. Now look at Proverbs 16. Proverbs 16 and verse 3. Sixteen three. Commit your works to the Lord, and your thoughts will be established. Same principle, same concept here. I commit what I do. I commit my activities, my works to the Lord. Then what I have in my mind I want to happen, then those things are established. What about if I don't commit? Then there's nothing for God to work with and bring to pass. He does not force Himself on you. He will not just exert His will over your life because He's God and and He's he's almighty and powerful. He won't just make it happen. But He will move to the degree that we give ourselves to Him. Remember Jesus said um, in one place, He said, with the measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. With the measure that I give to Him, that I use in my giving, according to that, it's measured back to me. So what if I just give the Lord a little bit? That's To that degree, I will experience what He wants in my life. Well, what if I dedicate like an hour and a half every Sunday to Him? Well, good for you. You will, to that degree, experience God. What if I told my my wife, prior to becoming my wife, I will give you every Friday night. And we will spend time together and enjoy each other's company. Well... To only a limited degree will I I experience that relationship. Does that make sense? There is something about going all in that changes everything. And I suspect there are some people here today that don't know what it's really like to live for God. Even though you're saved. Even though in your heart you know Him. Because you've reserved certain parts of your life. You've categorized, you've compartmentalized certain parts, certain things. You let God into certain places and not into other places. But again, we live in a culture that commitment has been very watered down. And uh, people want to, they want everybody to commit to them. Want everyone to be available on call at all times for their life. But as far as them being committed to others, you know, that's not 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 so fun not so, not so desirable we live in a a culture of prenuptial agreements of broken promises we've always got plan b we got fair weather friends we've got church hopping cruise and people and people just aren't super quick to be committed and to say i'm with you I'm committed to this task. I'm committed to this mission. I'm committed to you as an individual, as a friend. I'm going to be there through the thick and the thin. But so often, people are committed until they want, until they don't want to be. Or they're committed, I'm committed, until I'm hurt. Or I'm there for you until I'm uncomfortable. Until there's something about it I don't really care for. And then we've lost what it means to well, as the scripture says, uh, to swear to our own hurt and not change. The moment we feel pain, see, ya. that's our one-way ticket out of a commitment. Boy, it sure got quiet in here all of a sudden. <laughs> he didn't say pain, did he? <laughs> I'm talking to there. There is a level of character that supersedes discomfort. There is a level of commitment that goes beyond what our culture knows. You know, there's a level of commitment that people even in our country had in times past during some of the wars. You know, you think about when they stormed uh, the beach at Normandy. and, And the great vast amount of soldiers there that they knew going in were dying. We're basically using up their ammunition. Because there was no way. And they were committed to doing it anyway. And I think there's some lessons from the past that can be relearned again today. I want to look at Daniel chapter 3. Just take a right turn there from Proverbs. In Daniel, many of you know the story of three guys. There are three guys named Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Anybody know them? How many name your kids that all right. <laughs> Got a couple youngsters that are planning to. Uh, <laughs> uh, one guy used to say, as a kid, he learned these guys' names was, was make the bed, shake the bed, and off to bed we go. Something like that. <laughs> Some friends I used to know you say, Shadrach, Meshach, and a bad Negro. <laughs> <laughs> Nevertheless, we're not focusing on their names, but it's just fun. Uh, um, they were Israelites taken captive by uh, Babylon, and they were, of course, slaves there. And the king of Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar, now Babylon that was in what we would be Iraq today, uh, that's the location of the world. But uh, he set up this big statue for everybody to worship. How dumb is that? <laughs> anyway, made this great huge statue. Statue. He said, when the music plays. Everybody's going to bow down and worship this statue, okay? And let's pick up here in verse, thir- verse 14, chapter 3. Nebuchadnezzar spoke to them. Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the gold image which I have set up? Now, if you are ready, at the time you hear the sound of the horn, flute, harp, lyre, and psaltery in symphony with all kinds of music, and you fall down and worship the image which I have made, Good! But if you do not worship, you shall be immediately, cast immediately into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. And who is the God who will deliver you from my hands? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If that is the case, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace, and he will deliver us from your hand, O king. But if not, let it be known to you, O King, that we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the gold image which you have set up. And so they have and had a very serious commitment that was not going to be intimidated, that was not going to be pushed around by someone threatening their life. They had a commitment to God and were not going to bow to anything else, and i I, their, the pressure on them was pretty significant as far as the threat goes. Probably not, um, we've probably not experienced something to that degree, let alone people are pressured today to not give everything to the Lord, to not be completely and fully in. They're pressured by work sometimes, pressured by people, pressured by family members, pressured by life in general. Different things come in to try to get people to back off of their commitment to fully and completely serve God. Their commitment to to let Him have control over all of their life and everything they do. But I like these guys. I mean, he said, you're going to throw us in the fire, God's going to deliver us. If you don't throw us in the fire, we're still not bowing. Period. What's your stance? Where are you at? And I know sometimes... I think people have gotten to a, into a mode where they've defined commitment by what's in their heart. Well, the Lord, you're really in my heart. I mean, you know I love you. Instead of defining themselves by what they do. Does that make sense? I'm not talking about our position in Christ because that's based on His finished work and not ours. But what if these guys... We're to say, they got together and they figured out a plan. They said, you know what? That fire is like really hot. And I don't even like this business. But, but, you know, God knows our hearts. He knows what we really, he knows we really love him. He knows we are committed to him. And we would never truly serve this idol and worship this idol. So why don't we do this? We'll tell the Lord that when we bow with everybody else just to get the, you know, we got to obey the laws of the land and everything. When we bow, we'll tell the Lord that we're not serious. When we bow to this idol, we'll say, dumb idol, dumb idol, stupid statue. We'll just keep it down just to keep peace, you know, because peace is important, Right? And we'll say that, and while everyone else is worshiping that idol, we'll say, Lord, we love you. We worship you and not this idol. How many think the Lord would be happy with that? I have a feeling that God is interested not just in us having some warm and fuzzy inside for Him, but actually demonstrating by our actions who we serve by actually showing by what we do not get engaged with and what we do embrace and what we do act on that we belong to him and nobody else and i know it's very common today though that christians will you know they'll tell the lord oh lord i want to be there (laughs) oh lord i want to be involved in this i want to serve i i want to give you know my heart lord you, you, you know me, I love you, I'm committed to you. Blah, blah, blah. I think that's what it sounds like when it gets to heaven. <laughs> huh? Because we can talk all day long about some feeling of commitment, but it's a whole nother thing to actually do something. Yeah. To actually, when the pressure's on and the pressures of life are there, for you, for you to live your life as if God is it's a hardly a reality. As if your salvation is hardly even real to you. And we live just going on doing our, our things our own way, spending all of our time on our own stuff and everything we do. And, but then when we get quiet, oh, Lord, I, yes, I love you. Sing, we sing the song, I'm committed to you. And, and, Lord, you are my life and all this kind of stuff. But how is it showing up? I have a feeling it's not okay to bow to the world, right. to bow to busy to bow to the mighty dollar, to bow to whatever it is that we deal with in life, and at the same time say, Lord, but I'm truly committed to you. That doesn't that just doesn't that just doesn't, go, this doesn't go over very well. These guys were a good example. Let's look over at Acts chapter two. There was there's a story that I heard about this guy in another country. And he wanted to buy this house. And the owner of the house wanted to sell it, but his asking price was too high. The guy couldn't afford it. And after a while, they, they negotiated, and he finally got them down to half the price. But the owner said, but I'm going uh, to retain possession of one part. There's this nail Right above the front entrance, the front door, he said, I'm still going to own the nail. So the guy got the whole house for half price except for the nail. After a few years, the previous owner, he wanted to buy his house back. It wasn't his, but, you know, wanted to buy the house back. And the guy didn't want to sell it to him. So he went and got a dead animal and hung it on the nail. I guess it stunk and was rotten and everything and really made it inconvenient for the other guy who lived there. So finally he agreed and sold him the house back. (laughs) There is something about giving everything and not leaving little parts out. Sometimes those little parts out will cause the biggest stink in your life. Sometimes we give, Lord, I give it all, but do we? And we've compartmentalized to where he has access to certain parts of our lives, but not other parts. It's like in your house, you let Him into the living room, but well, stay out of the kitchen, Lord. That's mine. You know, you can come in the bedroom, but stay out of my office. And sometimes we serve the Lord, and we do it right, we do it good in church, and the Lord's allowed access into that part of our lives, but maybe at work, he's not really there. Maybe in, 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 in your home, he doesn't have the right to, to be Lord, to be master. Maybe it's in a hobby that that's my area. I got this one covered, Lord. But there is something about giving God access to everything we are, all that we have, all that we do. Someone said, well, that, that could really mess things up. That could really mess up my my plans and my life. Listen, no one's life ever went down by giving everything, by being all in concerning God's plan. Never did a person get to the end and go, I shouldn't have done that. Man, I totally should have retained control of these, these certain areas of my life. Never. God wants to make your life better than it was. He wants to make you stronger than you were. He wants to give more life to your life than you've ever experienced on your own. Amen. And there is something so valuable about saying, everything, my all, with all my hearts I give to you. And then God really is in, enabled to come in and do great things. I know this. I, I learned a long time ago that whenever a person is, in, is calling themselves a Christian, that they become watched by family by friends by neighbors people are looking at you because you're a christian and you get judged more harshly than other people because of course you have standards (laughs) in your life and i found that as a leader that that even uh the bar was even raised higher when i when i was called to ministry and 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 serving in a leadership capacity i realized i got more eyes on me now than i did before because not only am i calling myself a christian i'm calling myself a minister you know a pastor a leader and so it's like you have to do it right now (laughs) but it's a good thing for all of us to be aware of i realize that if i'm going to come to church i've got to be i've got to be there not just physically there but there with all my heart if i'm going to worship god i can't be doing a little mamby pamby worship why because i'm telling other people how to worship if I'm a Christian, if I have a bumper sticker, I'm driving down the road telling people how to live their life. This is, how, this is what a, a Christian looks like. This is what someone who knows God looks like. So that's kind of pressure. Well, we've got to do it from the heart. We've got to be real. But at the same time, you know, you kind of can't give yourself permission to have bad days. Hmm. Someone's watching. I'm telling someone how to live with everything I do. In Acts chapter 2, this is the beginning of the church, you know. Jesus was raised from the dead. People are saved. They're getting filled with the Spirit. They're having amazing things happen. Miracles and great things are happening. But how did they act? What did they do from day to day? This gives us a little insight. Acts 2 verse 42. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. And fellowship in the breaking of bread and in prayers. So what? What They were in the Word. They, uh, they were in, the, in a community of believers. They fellowshiped with, with each other. They, they ate together and they prayed. So there's some good examples for what we should do. They had some good things going. I like the way the New International Version uh, translates this particular verse. It reads this way. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. What did they do? Notice, they, they devoted each other. They devoted themselves. That is one of the key foundations of making a relationship with God work. It caused the early church to explode. It caused amazing things to transpire because they didn't have. Well, we got Peter and John and James and some of the guys. You know, we got the uh, some of the guys. They're kind of keeping track of everybody, and if somebody doesn't show up, they get on the phone or they shoot them an email. And, uh, and, and they, get, they get on there and make sure that everybody shows up for the apostles' doctrine and the breaking of bread and fellowship, right? No. It seems to be that they didn't do anything like that. But people devoted themselves. Oh, I don't know about you, but that sounds really good. How many know much of church leadership in our day spends all their time trying to get people to commit to stuff? I mean, this is sad. Trying to get people to give themselves in service to the kingdom of God and to fulfill the mission. Trying to get people to show up at special services and events, and it's all about trying to motivate the people who are already saved. I think that's tragic. I think that's a sad commentary on our times, that everybody is such a big, fat baby, can't even put their big boy pants on, that, you know, it's like you commit your life to the Lord, He changes you, He fills you with His Spirit, but yet you have to be reminded to serve Him, but yet you have to be kind of prompted to go the extra mile. They didn't have that kind of attitude in their day. What did they do? They devoted themselves to it. Too many believers today are less committed to the work of God than the drunk is committed to the bar. And I think that what we have in front of us is a lot. How can I say this? There is a a wide array of the reality of God and what He wants to accomplish, what He wants to do. If we simply devote ourselves and we don't need any other motivation. Now, when it comes to lost people, man, we go out of our way, twist arms, knock heads. (laughs) Whatever we can do to try to convince people to hear the word, to, to hear the message. To receive the grace of God that is amazing and outstanding. And if I've sat with people and tried to convince them in long periods of time to give their life to the Lord. But once someone makes a commitment, because I don't think we ought to commit to things quickly or just, we just uh, flippantly just commit to all kinds of stuff. We ought to be very precise in what we commit to. But when you give your life to something, when you say, Jesus, be the Lord of my life, you mean it. And nothing turns you back. Nothing can sway you away from that commitment. So going for the lost, man, let's go for it. Let's convince people. Let's do whatever we can to try to get people to see how much God loves them. But after they're saved, what do we do then? I think the the right thing to do is provide opportunity. Say, here's what you do. You give them instruction. You give resources. You're there, available. Here for you, if you need me, if you need prayer, you need answers, you need help, we are here for you. But if you weren't serious in your commitment to God, we're not going to come, run, come running you down every other day. I don't know about you, I can't not go to church. I can't. I said, well, you would, you would not have a job if you didn't. <laughs> I'm telling you, that was the case before I was in full-time ministry, lest you think I'm, I, I know I realize sometimes pastors are viewed in a different light, but the way we view ourselves is not different. <laughs> it's just, I'm just a dude. <laughs> Serious. I mean, I know I'm called and anointed and things like that and, and, and you know, powerful and everything. <laughs> <laughs> But life is really just life. And to me, you know, before I was in pastoral ministry and everything else, I couldn't just skip church. Well, there's a lot of things I could say there. There's just something in me, and it's just like this. I've devoted myself. And if no one ever bugged me about it, if no one ever came and said, come on, you need to get in the Word, I already know that. I've already given my life to the Lord, and I don't mean that I've always done everything right or continue to do everything right. I'm not saying that, but there's something in me that will not let me bow to the stupid statue and the pressure that this world puts on me to make the work of God second place in my life to where it doesn't matter, to where, no, I don't have time for church. I don't have time for outreach. I don't have time for a missions trip. I don't have time to give. I don't have time to, to get involved and do things I mean, I I got work and I got fame. I got all this stuff. I don't have time for that. That's totally foreign. That doesn't register with me. I gave my life to him. He gave his life to me before I gave my life to him. He committed his all before I I said yes to him. And now I belong to him. It's just always going to be that way. You know, in James chapter five, he he speaks about prayer. We don't need to look to turn to that. Let me just finish up here today. Once you understand the intensity of a of being all in, he talks about prayer there, and the, the scripture says the effective fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. The effective, what kind of prayer avails much? The effective, fervent. I like that word fervent. It means to be hot. It means uh, to boil over. It fervency is something that makes things work i think sometimes we you know we pray and it's just kind of a weak prayer yeah lord help so and so we're thinking about something else lord bless this person save this person do this and it's not that fervency like jesus praying in the garden of gethsemane where he was sweating as of great drops of blood I mean, have you ever felt your prayer? I'm not talking about just being emotional and fleshy. I'm talking about it burned in you so much, man, that your emotions couldn't help but get involved. It, it's a fervent type of prayer where you mean what you're saying and you're pouring all of your life. And this, I'm, our focus is not just prayer here. Our focus is how we approach the things that matter more than anything else. Our relationship with God and others being saved and, and the, the kingdom of God. We should approach it not with a ho-hum, whatever, if I have time. You know what I'm saying? But this is everything with a fervency to where you pray for someone and you feel them. Come on now, you sweat <laughs> at times and cry. And again, not just to be emotional, or, so, but what you're experiencing is so real and so powerful. God's involved with it. And so commitment is not just a feeling of the heart, but it's an action that we take. Have you committed Christianity lately? Well, I believe in it. I believe in the Lord. Good, but what have, have your actions spoken? Have they spoken a high level of commitment? Or a convenience. Is this pretty heavy right now? <laughs> I tell you what, I'm, I really believe that the Lord wants to do some great things in our midst. Amen. We are in the process of building a great church. Amen. The way we do that is by building great people. Amen. By God getting involved individually in our lives. By us as individuals being personally devoted Personally, fully committed and devoted to the Lord. When that's in place, then we come together and we get devoted and committed to a task, to accomplishing something. And then we're unstoppable. Then I tell you what, no devil in hell can stand in the way. The gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. And I tell you what, nothing can be out of reach as far as what we want to accomplish. Amen. Let's pray today. Father, we love you. We thank you for your goodness and kindness toward us. Thank you for the privilege of serving you, of being involved in your kingdom and in your work. Lord, we don't take it lightly, but yet we do so with joy and thanksgiving. You gave your life for us. You gave us your all. And Lord, so we we grant you access to our hearts into to all that we have Lord everything's on the table we belong to you and nobody else but you have your will have your way in us today thank you for stirring our hearts you empower us and you enable us and we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us nothing is out of our reach by your grace and by your power Lord we are able to To rise up and be strong in this hour. And so, Lord, we dedicate our hearts and our lives to You. We put You first in all that we do. And we thank You. We thank You for embracing us fully. And now, You bring it to pass. And now, our thoughts are established. Faithful is He who calls. We also will do it thank you Lord you're working in us today what we cannot do on our own what we could never accomplish by ourselves we dedicate our lives to you in Jesus name thank you Lord praise God